Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 32 of Revelation chapter 11. We're continuing to read verses 15 through 17. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And I'll stop reading there. Last time we were looking in verse 15 in the statement, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And we saw that historically God has given a historical parable with the 70-year period from 609 B.C., until 539 B.C., when Judah was under the dominion of Babylon. And then in 539, the Medes and the Persians, Darius the king, took Babylon. Darius is also known as Cyrus, and God identifies Cyrus as his anointed one, the Messiah. And it pictures Christ coming at the end of the Great Tribulation, precisely immediately after the Great Tribulation, just as the Medes and the Persians came against Babylon right after the 70 years. And the Medes and the Persians under Cyrus take the kingdom. And all that was Babylon's becomes Cyrus's. All that previously belonged to the king of Babylon belonged to Cyrus, the king of the Medes and the Persians. And we saw in Second Chronicles chapter 36, which is the last chapter in Second in Chronicles, that this statement was made in verse 23. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath Jehovah God of heaven given me, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. So, uh, of course, it's true spiritually At the end of the Great Tribulation, all the kingdoms of the earth that were under the power of Satan are given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we can understand Cyrus as speaking uh, possibly of all known kingdoms because the Medes and the Persians ruled over a great empire and, and Babylon had an enormous empire and when they defeated Babylon, all that belonged to Babylon now came under the rule of the Medes and the Persians. Certainly, it was um, an incredible empire that the Medes and the Persians ruled over. And Cyrus says, all the kingdoms of the earth hath God given him. And that pictures what God did with the kingdoms of this world on May 21, 2011. 
because that ended the Great Tribulation, and that ended Satan's rule, the period of dominion he was given by God. You you will continue for 42 months, the beast was told in Revelation 13. No longer, no further, not a single day more, 8,400 days, and then comes the judgment upon Babylon, upon Satan. And God's judgment on Satan was to strip him of all official rule and to turn that rule over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we we saw also in our last study how Haman is a type and a figure of Satan. And he was given um, much rule under King Ahasuerus. And then came the day of 217, which matches up with the date the flood began and the day Judgment Day began on May 21, 2011. And then Haman lost everything. He first was humbled. He had to carry um, Mordecai around who was on horseback or, or Haman was leading the horse through the streets crying out that such shall be done unto the man whom the king delights to honor. It was a humiliating experience for Haman. And there we see the assault on the pride of Satan on May 21, 2011, where Satan thought he was so great. Uh, he, he was the one ruling in the churches as the man of sin. And then God turned it all around in a single day and the Lord Jesus Christ was lifted high up and exalted, and Satan was put down low. And later, he was hanged on the same date of 217, after not faring very well at Esther's banquet of wine. And we read um, in Esther 7, verse 10, So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. And then in the next chapter, 8, On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman, the Jew's enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Mordecai now rules over everything that Haman ruled over, just as Cyrus ruled over everything the king of Babylon ruled over, just as the Lord Jesus Christ rules over everything Satan ruled over, all the kingdoms of this world. And Christ's rule began at the end of the Great Tribulation and has continued throughout this period of time, these days after the tribulation. Oh, come on now. I can hear someone um, shaking their head and, and saying, are you saying that Satan is defeated? That that he he's put down? That Christ is ruling? Yes, but we have to keep in mind, and, and God uh, worked this out in the book of Esther by allowing... Haman to have ten sons that were not killed on 
2.17, which agrees again with May 21. But Haman's ten sons continued on for several months longer. Although they had lost all dominion, yet those ten sons likewise represent Satan. Just as we read that the beast in Revelation 13 verse 1 had seven heads and ten horns. It's like those ten sons are the ten horns of the beast. And so God is telling us by having Haman killed and yet allowing the sons to continue to live for months longer that on May 21, I will destroy the power of Satan, take away his dominion, and yet he himself, the, that evil spirit being, will continue to exist until the final day of judgment, and then at the end of the prolonged period of judgment, he will be destroyed. Now, the Lord tells us this, as a matter of fact, in the book of Daniel, in Daniel 7, we read of God, who is uh, clearly standing for judgment, as it says in verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were open. And that agrees with Revelation 20, the language we find there. Then in verse 11, I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. There it is. That that settles it. That um, gets rid of Satan the beast, doesn't it? it? It's all over with now. The beast was slain and his body destroyed. Well, not so quick. Then we read in verse 12 as concerning the rest of the beast. They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. And, and you see how... Perfectly, that matches with what happened in the book of Esther. Haman, the beast, is killed. Yet, the ten sons of Haman, they continue to live. And and so here we read, the beast is slain, his body destroyed, given to the burning flame. But, concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. And so, uh, uh, again, the ten sons of Haman are a picture of Satan, and certainly they lost their dominion. Their dominion was uh, in, in their father's power. And when their father lost all power and rule, so did the ten sons. Yet their lives were prolonged. They were not killed with their father, but sometime later. And, and same thing is what happens spiritually. When Satan was deposed and put down and lost all official rule in church and world over all the kingdoms of the earth and all the kingdoms of the earth, all of that dominion and power and rule was turned over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet the rest of the beast, that is, Satan still exists, typified by these beasts, 
They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season in time, for uh, possibly 1,600 days. And then on the 1,600th day, they all will be, or Satan and his forces will all be destroyed. Then we read in uh, verse 13 of Daniel 7, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Well, we we can see how perfectly this language identifies with what we're reading in Revelation 11 and verse 15. The Son of Man is given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. And of course, it's it's an eternal, everlasting dominion, because never again will Satan usurp the rule, as he did with mankind back in the Garden of Eden. Satan's not going to uh, deceive Christ into losing uh, the dominion over all, as as he deceived man. Satan is finished, and never again will the Lord Jesus Christ relinquish that dominion and authority to another. And so it is an eternal dominion, even though at some point soon he will destroy this world, this whole creation, yet uh, his power and his, his authority remains with him even after the destruction of this earth. Well, um, let's go back to Revelation 11 and verse 15. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, Jesus Christ is presently reigning, and this is an eternal reign. He will reign into eternity future, but he is now ruling and reigning over everything that Satan ruled over. He's ruling over the church. He's ruling over the world. Really? Really, then why, um, again, someone would say, why, please tell me why, that this world is so wicked still, and more wicked than it was before, why is the church still fallen away, why has not the, the presence uh, of the rule of Christ drastically changed things in this world? Well, because Jesus is ruling, but not as a benevolent ruler, not as a king that um, delights to bestow wonderful things for his subjects and good things. No, the rule that Christ has taken over is a rule uh, that that is taking place during the day of judgment. And this is why in Revelation 19, in a chapter where judgment day is in view, we read 
in verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Here we can see that God is joining together some ideas. Number one, the sharp sword that goes out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus in the day of judgment is the word of God. And with the word of God, he is smiting the nations. Now, that, of course, um, relates to the information that we, the people of God, have been learning from the Bible in this time period after the tribulation as God has opened up additional understanding to his word. He he has uh, hidden certain things that could not be known um, previously or before we entered into Judgment Day. And, and now that we are in the Day of Judgment, these things are coming to light. And it is a revelation of the righteous judgment of God. The, the Bible is opening up information that reveals that the wrath of God is upon the inhabitants of the world, that God is punishing each unsaved person, that he is doing so spiritually by shutting the door of heaven and, and God is declaring these things through his word. And that's how the the word of God is smiting the nations and simultaneously he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now, notice the context here. Read Revelation 19. And if you do, you'll see the bride has made herself ready. All of the elect have been uh, found and, and they have come together as the bride of Christ. It is the marriage supper of the Lamb on, uh, or in judgment day. And, and this is the time that God says Jesus is ruling the wicked of the world with a rod of iron. And that again fits in exactly with our understanding of what took place on May 21, 2011. It was a day when Satan's rule was finished. No longer does he rule the world. Yet, at this point, Christ rules. And since Christ is ruling with a rod of iron, it it is his purpose to uh, smite the nations as the ruler of this world and all of its kingdoms that did not bow the knee to him that were rebels and and they they are not his children they never became saved their sins are exposed to his sight and therefore 
He is coming down in fury and in anger upon them during this period. He, he is a ruler that is destroying the ones he is ruling over. And that's why the world has not gotten better. It's not God's purpose. It's not his plan for the world to get better. It, it actually serves the will of God to allow the church to go further and further away from truth. To allow the world to stray away from all decency and morality and in their blindness concerning what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil, what is true and what is a lie. And and the world is stumbling around in the darkness of this earth. And, and the earth is dark because God has taken away that light of the gospel. And... Uh, he he is causing man to be even, um, if we can say this, blinder. Man is blind all through history, of course. The unsaved are blind. But God restrained certain sins in their lives. And now the hand of God's restraint is lifted, and it, it at least gives the appearance of greater blindness. Well, uh, this is what our verse is telling us. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, why does it put it that way? The kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Well, normally, Jesus is the one who's called Lord in the New Testament, Koryas, but here it seems that God the Father is uh, first in view. He is the Lord and his Christ, the, the Messiah, the Son of God. It's an interesting way that that's put and indicating the equal um, supremacy, the equal reign of the person of God as he reveals himself as one God, yet three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he shall reign forever and ever. It is an eternal reign that the Lord Jesus Christ is involved with. He, he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And, and it is just a, a glorious fact that our King will not die. Our King will never lose his kingdom. Our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, will never be um, overturned, as we read of so many kings in the Bible, as um, those who plotted against them, sometimes even their own sons, rose up and, and slew the king. And then another man was king, and, and that man was more wicked and evil than the one before him. And so there was never any security for those who served an earthly king, even when there was a good king like Josiah or a good king like David, there there was never any real security because eventually that king would die. Eventually the rule would would change from the good king to the next king. And who knew what he would be like, whether he be wise or a fool, 
as as God moves Solomon to write, and and yet that is not the case with the servants, with the citizens of the kingdom of God, and the king we serve, Jesus Christ, is an eternal king who reigns forever and ever, and and uh, it, isn't it uh, wonderful? And and sometimes you get that that good feeling when when you're reading a story of a good king in the Bible and you find um, some of the king's servants or a prophet who just enjoy that you can tell that they're, they love that king. They love doing service to that king. They're so glad that um, they, they have a good and honorable king to serve. And that is how it will be with each child of God. What a wonderful, glorious honor it will be for us to be in the kingdom, not of King Arthur, not of um, stories of good earthly kings, but of the King of Kings, the great King that is above all kings. And he... Uh, is perfectly good and holy and pure and right. And every decision that he makes from his throne, every decree the king passes and, and wills to be done, we can trust 100% will be a good decision, a wise decision. And it, it it's just uh, really... It, looking at it from that perspective of an eternal kingdom ruled by an eternal king with eternal subjects, it it, it is mind-boggling how glorious and and beautiful that is for each person involved, for God's elect that will live in such a wonderful condition and state forevermore. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.